Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded podcast, the companion podcast to digitallydownloaded.net. I am Matt, and I will be hosting this here podcast this month. Very busy month. November is nuts. It's always nuts. It's the end of the year. Everybody tries to get their big games out, and there's plenty to talk about. Luckily, I have an all-star cast here to talk about these things with. We have Trent. Hello, Trent. Hello. I've been binging a lot of uh, only murders in the uh, building at the moment, so I'm all ready to talk about uh, who's murdered who. You have murders in your building? No, the movie, only murders in the building. I've been watching right. the TV show. That's a little bit concerned. Yeah. I was a bit concerned there, Trent. I thought you were talking about murders in your actual building. I'm like, get the hell out of there now, please. Um, we also have Harvard. Hello, Harvard. Hello, hello. Back from the US, I believe. Yeah, three weeks in the States and back in sunny Australia. Nice. Did you take your Switch? Did you buy a ROG? I Were did not. Gaming on the go? Take a, I did not bring my Switch. I brought uh, a little Ambernick that I just did not turn on for the entire three weeks. There was no time. <laughs> yeah, holidays are a bit like that. I actually took my Switch to Japan a couple of weeks ago and uh, months ago, I guess, at this point. And yeah, I never turned it on either. Too many things to do. Wanted to game, just had better things to do, I guess. Um, so how was the States? You didn't play many games? Did we go to yeah, stuff? Went to, <laughs> went to some shows, some concerts, uh, went to some comedy, like performances, all really good. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, saw the general sites of New York. I feel like all the touristy things, the very touristy things, like Times Square, not that good. All like the <laughs> slightly unconventional things. New York is filled with really strange, specific people. So... If you can imagine some weird thing, that probably exists somewhere. Did you go for a wander down the Bronx? I did not go to the Bronx. <laughs> Damn. That would have been an experience. Um, Trent, what about you? Where have you been playing? Video games? I've been starting to play Detective Pikachu. I'm like, uh, to like that, like in like 10 minutes, only 20 minutes in. <laughs> I right. like how you can skip the story sections if you want to. There's like a mode where you can be like, I just want to play like the end and just like play like <laughs> skip the story to like sections of the game. So that's pretty cool. Isn't that game all story? Yeah. It is all story, but it's like kind of like, well, you know, I, you know, you don't want to play the start. Let's like play the story mode and like, and then you can like see like the chapters and be like, I want to be playing from this chapter. Oh, I, don't know about, I, I don't know about you, Harvard, but when I play visual novels, I always skip the story. <laughs> Just straight to the credits. Yeah, that's it. Just want to I mean, see the, the game spoil, anyway. it practically spoils the original game in, in, in it anyway. And it also has like a shout back to the movie saying, oh, like, you know, the movies just make stuff up anyway. And it's like, great. <laughs> Good movie, that. I have to watch it again. I like Psyduck.
Rightio. So November. November is the month where all the developers and publishers get their big games out, or they try to anyway. Got to get in for the Christmas rush. Got to get the holiday gifts all there on the shelves. And I think this year is not going to be any different. Must admit, I haven't quite looked through the list of games yet. As so, I'm going to be reading this through live, I guess. And uh, you'll you'll um you'll hear about the games as I hear about them. But very organic with, reactions. Yes, yes. Um, I really do not have any idea what's coming up in November. I'm still trying to recover from bloody October, aren't I? Um, quick story before we go. Uh, I, I started playing the new Football Manager, the new one, 2024, this year, and they've added the J-League, finally. And finally plays Kawasaki Frontale, which is my team. I've been waiting for that for years, and I'm going to take credit for that because in every single review of Football Manager for the past five years, I've said, where's the goddamn J-League Sega? Where is it? So they finally added it. So that's me. You can all thank me for that. It was all me. Um, that is kind of funny that Sega of all companies was like, no, no one's going to want this. <laughs> I don't know if it was a matter of want. I think it, I don't think that came cheap, Harvard. I don't. Oh, think, okay. You know, that's li- licensing in Japan is is um, it's a special beast, a really special beast. Uh, but anyway, Football Manager. I'll be playing that through November. But in terms of the games that are actually going to be released in November, we start with a new League of Legends story on November one. The Song of New. Nunu. Oh, Nunu. What's Nunu? I don't Nunu know. Nunu is one of like the oldest characters in League of Legends. Right. It's, like a, it's like a kid that rides, rides a Yeti. Oh, I know that character. Even I know that character. Okay, yeah, so... Super old, like more than 10 years old at this point. Yeah, there you go. So <clears throat> Nunu's getting the story. You can play it on November 1. Isn't that great? I haven't played any of the League of Legends kind of spin-off games. But... Neither. I've been told that they're quite good, and I think that Riot probably does pay money to make sure they're quite good. But... <laughs> you know, the you know the, the the thing is, like I always said, the reason I don't play League of Legends is because I like narrative games, and I like I, I would be interested in the characters because they're interesting character designs and all that kind of stuff. But the base in League of Legends game is just not about that. Yeah. And so they go and release all these games that are about that, and I still haven't played any of them, which is which is very naughty of me. I but think anyway. it, it has this weird, like, side story fan fiction feel to it to me for, for whatever reason. So my brain thinks it's not legitimate, even though I'm sure they're very good games. They just, they just don't feel real to me, you know? Yeah, I think that might be that for me as well. Um, yeah, so that comes out on November 1. Also on November 1, we have the Alien Hominid Invasion, which is those kind of um, side-scrolling brawler things with a pretty cute little animated style that's series is finally back you can play that on that's November one. The past. yeah yeah that was, that like was on the game, right? 3ds wasn't it they had one on the 3ds which was pretty good i remember it might have been a flash original yes you might be right there harvard also on november one we've got rollercoaster tycoon adventures deluxe now be aware this is the free-to-play one i think that they've packaged up into now a premium one i'm pretty sure that's it this was the attempt to bring roller coaster tycoon back and it crashed and burned because it was full of microtransactions when it released on mobile but i think this is like um an attempt to stick it back into the premium model if you don't like this one there is all the other roller coaster tycoon games already there on switch but anyway, yeah i think so- roller coaster tycoon is like the the harvest moon of licenses right like no one who still makes them has any involvement with the original ones yeah, except it's yeah, it's all owned by Atari, and we all know Atari being Atari. They're they're very good at preserving their old games, but I wouldn't say that I'd necessarily want to play any of their newer works, especially since they tend to be 
that that CEO of Atari is a weird bloke. He's a weird bloke. Um, so yeah. But anyway, if you are interested, there you go. November one. On November two, we've got the Fox awaits me, Hannah. Now I don't know who Hannah is and why there's a fox awaiting her, but it's a pretty good little box art there. Um so yeah, cool. The first, I guess, big-ish game releases on November 2, which is two days into November. That's why it's November 2. So, yeah, this is going to be a big month. Star Ocean, the second story R, which is a full-on remake of the Star Ocean Day game that I think most fans would say is the best, like in terms of the reputation of the various games of this series. If you polled 100 fans of Star Ocean, I would say more than 50% would say that this is the best one. For me, the third one's better, but, you know, in here is there. I'm very much looking forward to this. And this is a full-on remake. It's not a HD remaster or anything. It's got a new art style. It looks very nice. I'm very much looking forward to getting stuck into this. Is it like First Departure R where it's like newly drawn or is it like a new 3D, totally brand new thing? No, it's more like from the screenshots. I haven't played it, but from the screenshots I've seen, it looks more like that... um, trials of mana remake they made like remake like the brand new game yeah remake. like it it it's the it's a base game but rather than the original art done in a new way it's an actual effort to to redo the whole thing it's got like a behind the back perspective rather than remake. the top down wow. and stuff it looks good it looks really really good um and, and after the star ocean six last year completely restored my face in faith in the series i'm very much looking forward to getting stuck into that one. I love Star Ocean so much. Yeah, Square Enix is really trying to make Star Ocean happen again. They are, More and that's good of them. On November 2, if you're not into Star Ocean, but you are into Vampire the Masquerade, there's Vampire the Masquerade Justice coming out. I don't know what Justice is. Is that one of the visual novel ones, or is that an actual game? Uh, and I'm not going to find anything from looking at that. Vampire the Masquerade is an interesting property. <laughs> it, it does range from weird little visual novels right through to quite interesting efforts at RPGs and investigative style games and all kinds looks of stuff. So like it's an RPG. Looks like an RPG. Thanks for the Google search trend. Upcoming first person VR game. What? VR game. There you go. You might need to bust out that PlayStation VR headset, which would be interesting. Sucking blood in VR. Cool. Finally, a game to play on the PlayStation VR 2. <laughs> on November 2, still on November 2, we've got Gangs of Sherwood coming out. No, I don't know much about this one again, but it's a Robin, Robin Hood game. Yeah. yeah, it's a Robin Hood game. So I'm vaguely interested. It has been a long time since a Robin Hood game has really hooked me in, but I love Robin Hood, the story of it. And if this one can finally do that... I mean, the last attempt at a Robin Hood game was that terrible multiplayer asynchronous thing, um, and I really hope this is it. Give me a give me a nice single player story driven Robin Hood game, and I'll be very happy. So, fingers crossed, Gangs of Sherwood does that. I don't know anything about it. I apologise if I've just recommended a game that sucks. On November two as well, RoboCop Rogue City comes out. Now I'm looking forward to this a great deal. I've seen little clips of it, and it just looks nuts. Uh, it looks like a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Very big action. You play as a character that is um, 
looks pretty invulnerable to me. I don't know if there's like a death system or how the the the, the um, progress progression works, but it it just looks like a very intense, big action, ballsy thing, which could be just so much fun if they've executed it right. And um, hopefully, there's a bit of a story in there that kind of captures the point of Robocop, but whatever. Uh, it looks good. We're still on November two, by the way. We're eight oh, now. Yeah, also on November 2, we've got My Time at Sandrock, which is the sequel to My Time at Porsche. That was the name of it, wasn't it? That's yeah, My Time the, at Porsche. Yeah, that's the um, Harvest Moon style indie game. It was kind of a darling at the time when My Time at Porsche came out because between, I mean, there was Harvest Moon, there was Stardew Valley, and that was kind of it. So this was an attempt to bring a new approach to Harvest Moon to the genre. And since then, we've had like a thousand different Harvest Moon clones. It's become a real thing. So it'll be interesting to see if my time at Sandrock can capture the same kind of attention, but it does look good. My time at Porsche was good. So I am interested in this kind of deserty themed one. On November 3, we've moved one day further into the month. We have WarioWare Move It, which is Nintendo's yes. next game. This one could be fun. I mean, WarioWare is fun. That's the point. It's just fun. And if this one's fun, then Nintendo will have achieved what they needed to with it. I'll play it. Oops, I've clicked on something. Uh, on November 3, once my list comes back, come back list. Damn it. On November 3, we've got The Silent Swan, which is a first-person narrative journey where you play as Mirov, who will enter the desolate land beyond the walls and travel through monolithic cities. Something, something. It has an interesting art style. That's why it caught my attention. And, yeah, just one of those indie games that looks like it could be worth looking into. On November 3, we have One Night Burlesque, which is a interesting looking game as well. It's, um, as the name suggests, it's about burlesque and it's a thriller style game, a very noirish look. So if you like that kind of thing, if you enjoyed One Night at Soho and those kinds of movies and all that stuff, it looks like One Night Burlesque will be in line for you. On November 3, we have Fashion Dreamer, which is... It's not, it is not style savvy, is it? But it's an attempt to do like style savvy kind of thing where you get to play dress up with your character and turn them into an influencer and make them a celebrity by dressing them up in all kinds of different clothes. These things are weirdly compelling. <laughs> um, it's been a while since we've had a good fashion style game. So I'm looking forward to that. That's a marvelous one. So it's actually fairly high production values behind it and stuff as well. So that's November 3. Also on November 3, we've got the next DLC for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. If there are still people playing that, I think the only people left that care about that game are just abusing me in the comments still for my review. But if you are a fan of Pokemon, there's more coming, which is good. Also on November 3, we have DreamWorks All-Star All Kart Racing, which is the next attempt to try and do a Mario Kart-ish. And who knows how that one will turn out? But DreamWorks certainly has a lot of good properties. 
So yeah, it should pull some attention. People like Shrek. On November 6, football manager. Well, that came out. I might have broken embargo talking about that earlier. Anyway, football manager 2024 comes out on November 6. And like I said earlier, it has the J League, which is an excellent addition. Really great addition. Long time coming. If you like your football, the J League is one of the better competitions out there. It has not been in Football Manager yet, and it is finally there. You can also play the two divisions underneath the J League, so you can actually play a team and work them up to the top, just like you could with the EPL. Um, so that's a full, full-on addition, and probably a, the best reason to play play the New Year's edition, really. On November seven, we have Tintin Reporter. Cigars of the Pharaoh. I did not know this game was coming. Don't know anything about it, really. But I love Tintin. It's one of my favorite comics. And I really enjoyed the movie, too. The Spielberg-produced one or directed. Is it from the same publisher license as the Asterisk games? Oh, I hope not. I want this one to have some kind of bug. Actually, Asterisk and Obelix doesn't belong to any publish one publisher either because the last one I played, which was the terrible card one, that was published by Nacon. And meanwhile, the Brawler, which was really good fun, that I played last year, that was published by Micronids. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't think the license belongs to any single company with Asterix. I don't know who has the license to this Tintin Reporter game. Um, I mean, when you Google like Tintin, the last Tintin game is like 2013. I'm oh, like, there I you remember go. that one. So <laughs> that was um, a while ago. The publisher of this Tintin one is the Microids publisher, the same publisher as the good Asterix and Obelix games. Okay. So that gives news. me some hope. Yes. <laughs> um, cool. I'll play that. I didn't know that was coming, but I do like Tintin. If you like your Smash Brothers style brawlers, Nickelin All Star Brawler Two is coming out on November seven. I didn't play the first. Was that any good? Anybody Wasn't know the first one? Like this year? Did it? It feels recent. That wouldn't surprise me. But nobody played it, so we can't tell you if it's any good. We don't know if we we don't know if you should be looking forward to the second one or not. But if you like SpongeBob SquarePants and want to see him slap down Jimmy Neutron or something, then there you go. You can do it. Video games are a wonderful thing. If you like your karaoke, okay, Let's Sing 2024 comes out on November 7. And there are a lot of people that like singing. So there you go. I'm sure that'll be fine for you. Moving on. We are still not even halfway through the month. God. November 9, we've got Dungeons 4 coming, which is, the I'm looking forward to that a lot. I really enjoyed Dungeons 3 and 2. Dungeons is the game where you play as the bad guy and you need to set up a dungeon with traps and monsters and stuff so that when the heroes attack, they get deaded. So, yeah, it's great. It's really a lot of fun. It's got dark satire, satirical sense of humor. It's got... The art's quite nice. It's the 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 design of the game is really fun and creative, and it's um it, it's it's very entertaining. So I'm sure Dungeons Four will be much the same, and that will be a good thing. 
on November 9, so still not yet halfway through the month, we have Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. They're next in the Yakuza series. And Mr. Kiryu is back and everything. This is going to be great. This is going to be so much fun. Um, yeah. We had, did Like a Dragon Dragon Ishin come out this year? Was it? Was it this year? It was this year. That's so we're getting fun. two Yakuza games in the one year, which is cool. Too fast. Too much. Too much stuff. Lots of stuff to play. But if you haven't played a Yakuza game yet, just do it. They're all on Game Pass if you absolutely have to. Just play them. Get into them because yes. they're great. They're, they're nicely available games. now. They used they to be are. so hard to get and now you just get everything. Yeah, if you actually want to pay for them, which you which would be good because that would mean you're supporting the developers rather than game passing it, then you can buy them on everything as well these days. Uh, the entire series. So do that and get yourself ready for this one. I imagine this one will be more for the fans than for the newcomers because it does seem like that. But for the fans, that's definitely worth looking forward to. A Gaiden's a side story, right? Yes. And also Like a Dragon is... The uh, side branch? Yeah, that's the side branches. Because Like a Dragon Ishin was the back-in-time um, Shinsengumi-themed one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, Like a Dragon Heroes was the one that didn't even have Kiryu. It had a different character, uh, and it was the turn-based one that was kind of a parody on Dragon Quest. So, yeah, this is that's the spin-off series that Like a Dragon ones. On November 9, Tales of Arise Beyond the Dawn comes out. Now, Tales of Arise has been out for a long time. Is this a new DLC or something? They've released like two years after the original game. It's interesting. really weird that to get DLC for a Tales game doesn't feel right. And so many years later, too. That must be a pretty significant project, though. I would say that's not just a. I wonder if it's like one of those. Um, I wonder if it's like a Persona Five Royal Edition situation. Yeah, that's you what know? I'm thinking. It's probably they probably added like a lot into it, and yeah, it's probably just kind of their their filler while they work on the next uh, Tales game, but it's a, a substantial pack rather than just a couple of yeah, costumes. A and full length yeah. story that takes place after the main story. So like the corner expansion of Xenoblade, yeah, it's more, I guess. It, it, yeah, it's like one of the Xenoblade kind of DLCs. It's a big thing that's kind of a 0.5 story rather than a DLC as such. DLC is probably underselling it. So mm. yeah. I guess it's like we have this engine. You might as well make some more content with it. Well, it was a very good game. Great characters. Excellent little owl character. He was great. Hoodle. I liked Hoodle. On November 9, we've got a visual novel, which I'm not going to pronounce properly, but I'll give it a crack. Virche Evermore, Error Salvation. Moving on. Skipping some of them. There's still a lot of games that I could mention. I would in a normal month because they're kind of that B tier, but passing on them. We just we're not even halfway through the month yet. On November 9, we've got Berserk Recharged. Unfortunately, not Berserk as in the classic dark fantasy from Japan, but this is a reimagining of the 1980 arcade classic. The one with like the oh no, 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 no I'm thinking of the wrong thing. I don't know what Berserk is. I've never played the arcade classic, it's older than me, which is rare for video games, but yeah. It's probably one of those Atari ones, isn't it? I bet you it's one of the Atari ones that they've 
going and doing a remaster. Speed him up. I feel like it's speeding up. It sounds like it. Berserk Recharge challenges you to fight your way through a deadly maze filled with waves of menacing vocal robots. What's a vocal robot? A robot that sings at you. <laughs> anyway, I like I like old arcade games that are remastered or people do a different spin on them. So that's why that one stood out to me. On November 10, if you like your war crimes, because that's what the world needs right now, uh, more promotion of war crimes. We've got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Yay! Surely they're not going to release this in November 10. That's silly. They're releasing on November 10, just in time for Israel to Is do it. Like memory or a um, stay or something stupid in America? That, yeah, um, remember saying it's 11 11, I think? 11, so it is one day before Remendement Day. Very classy. They Gotta should love. really pull it. They should do an advance wars. They should just be like, now's not the time for this. Yeah. That's just... I mean, excuse my language, but fuck me. Fuck but these they guys. they need their money before they inevitably get uh, bought out. By the, they have been by bought the out. Time, it's been well, finished. by the time the Microsoft thing gets like approved... It's done. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it finalizes yeah, in December or something it's like that. Like, done, Trent. Like, it's finished. Yeah. Yeah, they are now part of Microsoft. They have unlimited money, so they don't need to re release war crime simulators right when the world is full of war crimes actually happening. That, that... Anyway, I'm going to rant about that in later, another day. Not today. I'm, I'm in a good mood today, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, here's one that's um, it's very niche, but... I definitely recommend you to like check it out, especially if you've got friends, which is so the people that play Call of Duty can kind of skip this one. But if you've got friends, then on November 14, Karma Zoo comes out. Now, Karma Zoo is being published by Devolver Digital. I have played it. They did a preview thing of it. And I sat down with a bunch of other games journalists to try it out. You have to play with other people because it is about co-op, uh, co but it is this really lovely little 2D platformer where you work together with other people to kind of progress through it's nothing too complex it's just presented so lovely and it's got this really nice retro art style it's really really ch uh, charming there's 50 characters to collect each one has their own little special abilities and stuff and they all can kind of contribute to the whole you can play with up to 10 people so um and and it works just as well if you're playing with randoms as you're playing with um people that you know and in fact, I think you have to play with randoms. I think they don't even, they kind of force you to team up with these people. Uh, you can't I'm communicate with them. The game, so it's not, no, like, no, 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 no. But the name, the name really sounds like Kama Sutra and your whole description of the game is just like, it's like getting worse and worse and worse as you go down. Oh, you just play with others. No, you have to be for playing with like strangers. It's is great. It like good karma and bad, like karma? Or karma? Yeah, no, no, karma as in, you know, help people out. Yeah, good karma, get bad karma. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're Australians. We don't pronounce ours. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's really, really good. I had so much fun playing with this game, and I, I really am an advocate for it. So check it out. It's going that's actually to... a pretty trendy genre right now. It's like the new Among Us style of genre. Where yeah, but this one has absolutely zero potential to ever become toxic because it's just presented and developed in such a way that it really does promote um, positive multiplayer experiences. So I will tell. Give it a go. Seriously, give it a go. Positive I, multiplayer I, I experiences. Really, really. I know you want. <laughs> I Davis really, really like it. 
on November 14. We're still not halfway through the month, by the way. Turok 3, Shadow of Oblivion comes out. That's um, the remaster of the N64 original by Night Dive Studios, which did the previous two Turoks as well, which was so disappointing that they did Turok 2 and then neglected to put the multiplayer into the Switch one. I'll never forgive them for that. But Turok's pretty good fun. So there you go. You'll be able to play that, I think, on Switch in November, on November 14. Moving on. I'm skipping through some to try and get to, to try and move things along. On November 16, the King of Fighters 13 global match comes out. Don't know what that is. That's weird. 13 was not is not the newest King of Fighters. It's for the Switch, that's why. It's this it's coming out on Switch. So you'll be able to play your King of Fighters on Switch. Is good that's athena athena on switch makes me happy okay i'm rolling along jagged alliance 3 comes out on november 16 jagged alliance is the tactical game is it not why have i when did I last play a Jagged Alliance game? I think it's a tactical kind of stealth thing. You need to make your way around and uh, not get caught by enemies while you tactical do... Tactical role-playing video game. Yeah. So it's one of those ones where all the enemies have their little sight ranges and you need to figure a pathway through them without running into those sight ranges. And if you get caught by the sight ranges, you're dead pretty quickly. So it's just one of those hardcore stealth things which is i'm surprised thq hasn't butchered it out of their uh and sold the games uh oh that's a thq one there yeah. you go got, got a got to refund the business somehow on november no 7th what thq is up to anymore i'm not selling it anymore sell, selling all their studios off they're imploding that's what's happening yeah on November 17, we've got Warhammer Age of Sigma Realms of Ruin coming out. This is a real-time strategy game set in the fantasy version of Warhammer, which is my preferred version of Warhammer. Not such a fan of 40k, but do like original. Um, looking forward to that, I guess. Real-time strategy. I have fond memories of Shadow of the Horned Rat on the PC back about 25 years ago. You can get it on GOG if you want to right now and I highly recommend you give it a go because it is still to this day one of my favorite strategy games. If this one can even come close then I'll be happy. Unfortunately for them on the same day Super Mario RPG releases and that'll be a game that will consume a lot of my time. This is the remake of the Super Nintendo one which is the one that Square Enix worked on back in the which day. Which is not super long right? It's like it's an RPG but it's not like a giant full-length rpg i don't know it'd probably be what 20 hours or so it, it was definitely made to be accessible but it was the precursor i guess to the paper mario series you know like it led from this one to that made people realize that there was an appetite for a, a mario rpg series and super mario rpg was it so yeah the this is another one that's a proper remake it's not just a upscaling of the sprites you're, you're getting a proper up, up, update i guess um 
And yeah, it's obviously a filler title of sorts for Nintendo's uh, lineup, but I'm pretty sure that one will find its fans. But unfortunately for Nintendo, on the same day, on November 17, Bluey the Video Game comes out. And Bluey <laughs> the Video Game is going to be under every single kid's Christmas tree this year. That is going to be nuts. That game is going to go balls ballistic. It's going to be huge. I'm not even joking. This game is going to be massive. Whoever got that license is is a really lucky developer because, yeah, that is the biggest kid's property in a very Hopefully long it's time. it's an actual good game, not like the Paw Patrol games where they progressively start to learn how to make I forgot, video games. Trent, Trent, has, games. Trent has young kids in his life, so he gets to play all of these games and he gets to pretend that it's because the kids want to play them, but really Trent is the one that wants to play them. Are you looking Bluey, forward to Bluey, Trent? Bluey is going to be game of the year, guaranteed. It's going to be a, a great, wholesome RPG where Bluey just jumps on the trampoline and learns lessons about life. <laughs> my um my brother has a lot of young kids crazy number of young kids he's got three and um they're a very bluey household so i'm sure i'll be roped into playing this at some point as well and yeah i'm kind of looking forward to it bluey's great bluey's one of those kids properties that the adults can enjoy too and there you go bluey biggest game of the year on the same day, I don't know why anybody would release anything on the same day as Bluey. That's just asking for it. But Persona 5 Tactica comes out, which I'm actually looking forward to a lot because Persona 5 is my thing. Well, it's not my favorite thing. It would have been better if it was Persona 4 Tactica, but Persona 5 is still good. And this one, yeah, it'll be a tactics RPG featuring all your favorite characters from Persona. I don't know if they bring the gymnast back, though, do they? Is she official part of the, the Persona property? What, the gymnast? Yeah, Kasumi, the one they added for Royal. Or is she just like this character that was only added for that one game and not really part of the canon? I don't know, to be Who honest. Is it doesn't matter as long as the Doctor's in the game. Well, Anne's in there, and that's that's important for me. Um... There's more DLC coming out for Pathfinder, which will mean nothing to anybody but me, I guess. But I really like Pathfinder. I like Pathfinder more than I like Baldur's Gate 3, which is going to get me hate mail. But I do, so cope. And this is the fifth DLC for Pathfinder. It's been a big hit for the developers. I'm going to play that. That'll take the 150-hour game to 200 hours or so, I'm sure. Very big game. And that'll be a good way to spend my Christmas. On November 21, Pui Pui Molkar, Let's Molkar Party comes out. What? <laughs> you don't know Pui Pui Molkar? No. You don't... It's huge. It's a big thing in Japan. It's um, Molkar is in the kind of guinea pigs and their cars. And um, yeah, it's a big thing. It's actually a big anime property. It's It's really popular. And this is going to be a fun little mini game collection. I can't believe they're actually releasing this in English, but they're doing it. They're living the dream for us. Thank you very much. I'll I'll play it. It's just going to be a stupid game. It's going to be terrible, but it'll be fun. It comes out November 21. Also on November 21, we've got Discronia, Kronos Alternate Definitive Edition, which just looks dark. It's like a visual novel, I think. 
and it's a dark one. So cool. We've got a bunch more visual novels coming out on in November. On November 22, we got RE colon D. So it should be red, but no. RE colon D cherish. We've also got could wafter converted edition. I think they're both just traditional visual novels, but coming out in time for Christmas. If you didn't play Biomutant back in when it got released on the big consoles, or you did and you really liked it, you'll also be able to play it on Switch because it's coming out on Switch on November 23. That's the open world RPG that had potential, but didn't quite get there. So I wouldn't expect it to be any fixed for the Switch version, but it did have its fans because it did have some nice ideas and some heart and soul. So I'm sure there'll be some kind of audience for it on the Switch as well. On November 27, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got Grand Blue Fantasy Versus Rising, which is a 2D fighting game based on the RPG. So people that did play Grand Blue Fantasy, did that even come out in English ever? So people were talking about it. I know it's massive in Japan. There was one year at Tokyo Game Show where it had the biggest booth, like by far, and the whole show. It was a huge thing. Uh, I, I just don't know if it came out in English. But yeah, there is the fighting game, which is definitely coming out in English. They were doing a proper RPG to it at some stage too. I don't know what happened to that, if it got released or what. But anyway, if you're into your fighting games, I'm sure that'll be all right. I'm pretty sure I played a Grand Blue fighting game, fighting game beforehand, and it was pretty good, right? Apparently, Reeling doesn't fighting. come out till next year. The RPG? Yeah. Oh, okay. Still on the way then. Cool. Good to know. It did actually look pretty good. On November 29, we've got Gothic 2 Complete Classic coming out. So if you like your old school B-grade RPGs, uh, then you've got that one that's coming out on Switch. So the first one got dumped on Switch a couple of weeks ago, and it was definitely a product of its times. I think, I mean, it was a well-regarded game back then. I just don't think it's held up particularly well as such. Gothic 2 had definite improvements in a lot of ways to the original, so I'll be interested to see how that one holds up this year, later on this year. Um, November 29. On November 30, Cricket 24 comes out on Switch, which means nothing to Americans. Um, but our Indian and English and Australian listeners may well want to play it on Switch. It's already out on the other consoles. I can talk about it now because I don't work for a company anymore, you see. I used to do work with uh, the developer of this game, this series, so that's why we never talked about it on the podcast, but I'm no longer there. I haven't been there for a couple of years now, so I can talk about it. And I like cricket, so I'll probably pick it up on the Switch to play on the go as well. Speaking of Asterix and Obelisk, because we did talk about that, um, earlier in this segment a long time ago when I was reading out the start of the month. But on November 30, Asterix and Obelix, a slap em all two comes out. Now, the first one was a really fun little brawler that my brother and I played through on Christmas. And it really brought us back to the days where we used to do the Simpsons or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles brawlers on the arcade cabinets when we found them. This one definitely caught that kind of appeal. So I'm very much looking forward to slap them all too as well. It's going to be fun. I mean, Asterix and Obelix really lends itself to the side-scrolling brawler. And I'm sure they didn't screw this one up. 
And we've got... We're almost done. There's just one other game that I'll bring up, and that is on November 30. Cupid Parasite Sweet and Spicy Darling comes out. Now, I don't know if that is... Is that a full-on sequel, or is it one of those kinds of... um, fan discs it's a so cupid cupid parasite was a actually a pretty good otome game that got released i think two years ago one year ago it was a very amusing kind of satire funny comedy one and had a really great art style like an amazing art style it was one of my favorite otome games i think it is so i don't know what this is whether it's a full-on sequel or it's just kind of an add-on thing but yeah that comes out on november 30 and i'll check that out as well that's it for November. Way too many games. Too many games. And I, I could go into December, like December 1, because, yeah, why not? Just in case this, the, the December podcast doesn't come out till after the start of the month. But um, on December 1 as well, so one day after November, there's also Dragon Quest Monsters, which is, which is going to be huge in its own way as well for Pokemon fans. So, yeah, big month. Lots of games. Too many games. It's going to be crazy trying to keep up with that. Um, Trent, you get one pick from all of that. Oh, if no, you can, no. if you can even remember what we talked about at the start of the list, um, what would you pick as your one pick if Is you could only play Nintendo one game? game this month? Oh, Super Mario RPG. Oh, Super Mario RPG. And WarioWare. Well, and WarioWare. I've already got the RPG pre-ordered, I, so and I've never really played the SNES version, so I'm going to go with the RPG just for that one. Cool. You'll like it, I think. It is good fun. Because you like Paper Mario, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> or Mario Luigi ones? Uh, I like the Mario and Luigi more than Paper Mario. Yeah, there you go. Paper Mario was okay. I didn't really... Like, uh, what was the Wii one? Color Splash or whatever? No, not Color Splash. The one with that weird... Super Paper Mario. Yeah. Paper thing. Yeah. They really messed with that series over the last few years, and then they brought it back to normal. So, um, yeah, if you like those games, you'll probably like this one. It'll probably feel a little bit older because it was a Super NES game originally, but um, that's the genesis of all those Mario RPGs came from probably that like one a game. Probably like a 30-year-old game now or something, isn't it? Like yeah, a 25-year-old game. Yeah, it's not a game. It's not 30. Don't make me feel old. Why am I over 30? <laughs> but still, and everyone's not playing WarioWare. Everyone's going to be playing that poopy, poopy, whatever it was, the <laughs> game one. <laughs> Pui Pui Molka. Pui Pui Mocha. I'm very much looking forward to that. It's why when I Googled it, I typed Poopy Poopy Mocha. No, it's not Poopy Poopy. It's Pui. P-U-I-P-U-I. Pui Pui Mocha. I highly recommend that. I don't know about the game, but I recommend watching the anime. Uh, Harvard, your pick one game. I'm going to go for Star Ocean, because I actually quite like the team that does the 3D remakes. I think they, they really are good at taking the 2D and transporting it into a new context. So I'm I'm keen. Yeah, cool. That was my pick as well. Um, big Star Ocean fan. Big, big time Star Ocean fan. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. That'll actually mean that the entire Star Ocean series is, again, available on the modern hardware too, because... Was this the last one that... Um... Yeah. Was... So, Star Ocean 1 got a remake. Star Ocean... Three is available as a PS4 classic. 
Star Ocean 4 is got a HD remaster, so it's available pretty pretty easily. Um, Star Ocean 4 is a PS4 game. What is it? Am I counting right? No, Star Ocean 4 got the full-on remake. Star Ocean 5 is a PS4 game, and the only one in the series that's really not worth playing at all. Star Ocean 6 recently got released um, last year or whatever, and so they're all available on PlayStation. Star Ocean 2 was the only one that you needed to dust off the old Ambonic for, and um, it's now done as well. So whole series, again, available, which is good.
All right, so we are getting to that point where the Nintendo Switch is getting long in the tooth. I think that's a nice way to put it, isn't it, Trent? Uh, it's been around for a while. It's, it's been it's been around for quite a while. Uh, if I'm just typing this into Google right now, the it's like Switch uh, nine, 17, 17, wasn't it? Yeah, 18? was released in 2017, so it is six years old this year, and that is that's a pretty good run for a console. Um, it obviously had its OLED update, but we haven't had that mid season or mid um mid-cycle power upgrade that the other consoles do so it has been the base model switch that has been plugging along and it is safe to say that the rumor mill or the the, the chatter around the switch 2 is because nintendo is probably prepping to to announce one i would take a wild guess this is not me being um I'm not making predictions. I'm not trying to uh, do that. But I would say that Nintendo would probably announce the next Switch early next year with an eye to have it out in time for next Christmas, or if not next Christmas, then the end of their financial year in 2025, which would be March, because that's when the Switch actually launched um, March in 2017 so i would expect the next one would come either 2024 christmas or 2025 end of nintendo's financial year so yeah that means that people are talking about it um there's nobody nintendo's been very good at keeping any kind of leaks out so we don't really know anything about what it might look like what it might do we're just going to speculate in this little section of the podcast on and the development see... units so that they, it was like more powerful and then it had like a touchscreen. Like, well, I, I wouldn't be switch had, but like you know what I mean. Like there was some. It, it was basically a more powerful switch was like what the rumored developer kits were, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I never put stock in rumors, but what I would, I do entirely believe that developer kits are out there because they need developers to get their hands on the stuff and, and start to get their games ready. So I'm sure there are developers out there that are using that, the, the Switch 2 now. Just giving a second screen and let it play DS games. Well, let's, yeah, let's talk about what we would like to see. That's the point of this segment before Trent butted in to tell me about the rumors. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what this segment's about. We're going to talk about what, we're going to speculate what the Switch 2 might look like, what we would like to see, and what Nintendo might do. Because to be honest, there is, um, this is an interesting one for Nintendo because the handheld market has changed significantly. And perhaps for the first time, Nintendo doesn't get to lead it as such. So while there has been hardware out that has been more powerful, I guess, than what Nintendo has done with its own consoles. So right back from the start, you know, the, Atari Lynx was more powerful than the Game Boy, uh, and then more recently, the PlayStation, the PSP and PlayStation Vita were both more powerful than Nintendo's consoles that they had on the market at the time. The The difference was always not that much. You know, the Atari Lynx wasn't that much better than the Game Boy in terms of what it could do, and the PSP and Vita were not that much better than what the DS and 3DS could do. But now we're in a spot where handheld games have kind of gone very premium and we've got 
a Steam Deck. We've got the ROG Ally. We've got uh, the uh, Aeoneos. Legion coming out. So, We've got Legion. Yeah. There's a Lenovo one coming out, which actually looks pretty good as well. Um, so there's a lot of those kind of PC in handheld form consoles, and they're doing really well. They're selling well. They're popular. People love their Steam Decks. People, the the ROG Ally is still hard to get in Australia because we don't have a Steam Deck here officially. So people have had to kind of settle for that one. But people have not minded settling for that one. That's a very good console as well. These things are popular. And Nintendo, for the first time, will have to contend with really serious high-end console uh you know handheld hardware and they'll need to respond to that in some way and the question is whether they do try to go that powerful with their hardware or whether they try something else i think it's basically shown that it's still not viable that like the biggest thing is still battery life and those machines true. like battery life drains considerably on those yeah, uh, yeah, true, very true. Yeah. My rog, my 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 rog lasts an hour, <laughs> um, without the the charge pack. So it's not really as mobile, perhaps, as it looks. <laughs> and I think that's probably what you you're probably right. Like the switch doesn't have great battery life, but at four or five hours, it's still enough that you can stick it in the bag. You can take it on your commute. You can play yeah, games and, and come back and it's clocked compared to like the like the actual spec for the hardware they're using. Like that Nintendo is probably going to do something similar to that again with the current generation of the NVIDIA chips, most likely. But people are like, Oh, I want PS, you know, five level graphics on the Switch. It's not going to happen. Hmm. No, I never thought that. I never thought that either. But it, it. I guess my question is, how to to what extent does Nintendo try and address the the power difference? Because the other thing is obviously the cost. Uh, the ROG, for example, is thirteen hundred dollars in Australia. Nintendo is not going to get away with selling a console for thirteen hundred dollars. That's just not going to happen. Then, and then when you look at the Windows consoles that are priced around the cost of the Switch, for example, um, I've got the. Ambonic W500, which was, I think it was $500 um, when it released. It might be a little bit cheaper now because it's older hardware, even from when it released. But um, when you when you look at the Windows handhelds that are priced around what you might expect Nintendo to charge, then they're not that powerful. <laughs> like um, my my Ambonic is good for visual novels and not a whole lot else, visual novels and a couple of indie games, but it you can't push it with what you can put on there. So... I think the biggest thing is going to be price for Nintendo. Like, Well, that's the thing. Like, we're the, we're the, entering like a, re a recession in most parts of the world. We've mm. got like financial crises. Like people don't really have a lot of disposable income. And in general, coming off the back of COVID, uh, a lot of these manufacturer plants uh, and other industries just cut a lot of support staff and manufacturing. So those industries are still impacted probably to the, like, like the tech industry probably hasn't seen that well, for quite some time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like- There's also, there's also chip shortages still, um, oh, yeah. which, which is limiting production. And that was the problem that Sony had with its PlayStation 5, right? Like it was a powerful hardware. It had the, but the, because they were limited in how many chips they could have, that they could actually secure. Um, it's only recently that you've been able to walk into a shop and actually see a PlayStation 5 on this, the shelves for years. 
those things have been selling out as soon as they've been released. And while that's a nice problem for a Sony to have, I would suspect that that's not what Nintendo will want to do. They'll want to make sure that this stock because... Well, it might be something they have to live with. Like, it could be that they launch the Switch 2 with the idea that at least for the first little while, like the Xbox generation, the PlayStation generation, they did that as well. Like your games were both platforms for a long time. It's only really now we're starting to see actual exclusives. It's going to be probably that on the Switch that because they're so family orientated and, you know, everyone needs to be able to pick up and play the games, you'll probably see releases either cross-compatible or releasing on both platforms for some time. Yes, which also then in, raises the question. I mean, what that means, I guess, is that um, my, my my guess is that this next Switch console will be backwards compatible. Um, I think. I, I believe it was that... a bit weird on that. Some of them are like, uh, oh, it's not going to be backwards compatible. But then it's like the types of those rumors, like you know, they they're like you know coming from like the not so great places on the internet. Well, again, and, I'm like... not. <laughs> I, I, users, yeah. I, I don't like to, to give rumors credibility. The, the reason I say that it's probably backwards compatible is simply because Nintendo will want to manage that transition well. Uh, they won't want people that are buying Switches or still using Switches um, to, to feel too left out, I guess, because like you said, it probably will be a, a fairly lengthy transition from one generation to the next, and Nintendo will do... Um, simultaneous releases that are backwards compatible with with switch and, and then switch to for its own games for a while so i i would not be surprised if this one is backwards compatible because it'll be built based on the same hardware uh, I, I think it'll just be a, a power upgrade in terms of the, the specs there rather than anything that is so new that it requires a new way of developing so the backwards compatibility element will be relatively easy for them to implement i would think um so yeah, I, I think that would be a case. And I think the Switch was such a kind of a, a runaway success anyway and had so many thousands of games released on it that the the appetite for backwards compatibility compatibility will be really strong with this one. Well, I sort of spun off what, yeah, as you were saying earlier, like all those different hardware types, like, you know, the Steam Deck and stuff like that. That's a huge uh, industry which only has really started because the Switch was such a success in terms of, hey, we want a handheld which plays powerful games like up until that point like computers weren't really in that space and there wasn't really any other competitors like sony hasn't really i mean the vita like you know really died as soon as it came out like it still had some games but it wasn't really as big as the original psp so no one's been in that space for some time and nintendo's going to have some competition they haven't had for a very long time yeah exactly Exactly. They're, they're, like I said, um, they're, they're definitely going to have to move to address in whatever way Nintendo does the fact that these handhelds are, are there and they're going to continue to be popular because people like it. And one of the reasons that people like the fact that they like, they like their Steam Decks, they like their ROG allies, they like their whatevers, is because the size of the library. People have massed thousands of games on Steam or whatever. Uh, being able to access them on the go is a big deal. And that's another reason I think Nintendo would want to make sure that this is backwards compatible because all of a sudden, uh, if you've got your entire library, you've got a big library of games that you can immediately play on the Switch 2, you will be 
quite positive towards it. That's so okay. you get your 10 Game Boy Advance games on uh, the Switch 2 and then restart your whole virtual console again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that they do continue that across, that that um, Nintendo Switch Online thing just converts, you know, and they don't go about restarting that as such because they've got a decent library there of games for that subscription. And I'm just hoping they're all still available on the Switch too. Otherwise, I don't want to wait another six years for them to redo the, the Game Boy Advance on the Switch too. They'll probably start with like the GameCube or something like that. Which well, that'd be the they thing. Like, they, they could potentially add to it, I guess. That would be nice if they want to continue to, to go that way. Adding GameCube games to Switch Online would be neat. Yeah. What do you reckon there'll be a gimmick this time? Well, that's a thing. I I kind of it would make it it would be Nintendo's MO to do some kind of gimmick. Um but those gimmicks as fun as they are, they never kind of translate into anything that has long real long-term value. Like even the probably the, the greatest gimmick that Nintendo's come up with is the glasses free 3D on the 3DS. And yes, I always used it. I never really turned that off. Um as long as, as long as the game wasn't making me sick from playing it, which a couple did, but most of them didn't. So I, I usually left that on. But even then, did it add that much to the games? No. If they were to re-release those games as they have in some cases on the Switch without the 3D. Is anything lost from them? Not really. Not in most cases. Um, the gimmick they added to the Switch, the the main gimmick, I guess, um, was the HD rumble in the Joy Cons. Has that ever really been used in a meaningful way? I I don't think it no has. no. It, it, it's sort of like one of those like big things where like when they release a console, it's it's like how every single podcast I'm like, why can't I go to basketball courts and like pull out my switch and like just suddenly start playing with like eight different people? Like that sort of gimmick would have then spurred things like, where is the Four Swords game? Every single time it's brought up for Switch, I'm like that energy which Nintendo released a console with there should have been a Four Swords game by now where I would have been like, here's my Joy-Con, here's your Joy-Con, let's sit down on the Switch, we're in portable handheld mode, we're in a basketball court or whatever the, uh, the vision is for Nintendo, and we're playing Zelda Four Swords, and it's like a dual I mean, swords thing I, because we both have swords. Like, I took I took advantage of that, that kind of feature once. Um, my wife and I were on a train trip, a long train trip in, in Japan, and we pulled out Mario Party and played that on on the train, and that was good fun. You know that that was uh, that was good fun, and I certainly hope they keep that quality about the Switch too, where it has the two little, little joysticks that become one joystick when you connect them to the Switch, but you can pull them off, and they kind of become little personal devices for multiplayer sessions on the go. That would be a nice feature. I hope that they keep that. Um, and that's so that is something that does distinguish the switch from even the 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 other handheld consoles today like i can't do that with my rog i can't play an impromptu multiplayer session of something with the with the rog on the go so um that People would be one way it's going to have those sort of controllers does it? like so, yes yeah, so i think one of them does you see the, the lenovo one or there's like another competitor which has basically done a similar sort of latching mechanism and has those controllers on it. So 
Yeah, I mean, that. I'm sure there will be some that do that eventually, but it is for now at least. That is a point of difference for Nintendo's console, and that's a, that's a nice thing. I hope they keep that for the next one. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think we can agree the consensus probably that it won't be an overly powerful device because Nintendo will want to keep the costs of it down. Uh, unfortunately, the I, cost... I think it's going to come in way more than what the Switch launched at. I don't think it's going to be a cheap console. It's going to be cheaper than your PlayStation Five or your Xbox, but it's going to it's going to be one of those things where unfortunately with the way the world is right now, it's going to be an expensive console. And it's going to be how does Nintendo sell the console when people are like, I can buy a PlayStation 5. Now it's gone down in price for the same price the Switch 2 just launched at. What is the selling point for me to buy a Switch 2? And that's going to be something that they're going to have a lot of trouble with, I think. I mean, the Switch now in Australian dollars is about 500, 470, 470 bucks or thereabouts. I reckon the Switch 2 will be not more than 50% more than that. I I would say probably Nintendo will pitch at $600 to $700 um, because they will want to keep it cheaper than the Steam Decks and whatever. They'll want to keep it under that price as a, a point of competitive differentiation. So, yeah. I so think you're right. I think Steam Deck is like 64 gig is like, you're still looking at most places have it like over $800. So yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Nintendo will want to pitch it at a price, maybe 20% less than that um, to, to make sure that it is the, the affordable, the family option, you know, um, while still being able to, to, to give some kind of upgrade to it. So yeah, I, I think, I think it'll be a modest upgrade in terms of what it can do. And that'll be that'll be that um and i mean ultimately with nintendo it's always what matters is two things how accessible the console is to families and how easy it is to use and how robust it is and then also the games themselves that nintendo puts on there which is kind of the other question what nintendo could possibly get on the switch um to to launch my guesses would be a new 3D Mario game will probably launch it because it's been a while since Nintendo did one of those anyway. They can't do probably a Zelda game. Metroid Prime as well. Like it's got, Oh it's yeah, they might have they may they may well have moved the new Metroid Prime to the Switch 2 because that game's been in development for so long now. So that'll be the one that's not a surprise. But I do think there will be one surprise they haven't really kind of um, you know, announced to public yet. And I reckon that'll be a Mario 3D because they can't do a new Zelda. Zelda um, Tears of the Kingdom only came out this year so it won't be Zelda and they'll need the marquee title so it pro will probably be Mario that leads this one I would also suggest to uh, for them to fill it out and make sure that there's a, a, a decent body of games there you're right probably the Metroid one makes sense as a Switch 2 title now having to, to move it to that rather than make it a switch one and i would also suggest probably xenoblade chronicle x the reason that that one wii u game hasn't resurfaced yet is because nintendo's holding that as uh, a switch to kind of remaster which will be relatively easy for them to do make sure that they have the content on the the, the console to launch but also make sure that's one that they can make pretty impressive and showcase the the strength of the console so those would be my predictions for those for the launch, those three titles. I don't see 
that they really have anything else that they can hotel dusk remake app. <laughs> I mean, there'll be other little stuff, but yeah, those three were the big ones. Like Fire Emblem came out this year, so there won't be a new Fire Emblem. Um, there won't be a new Zelda. And... Oh, there could be something small, like a like a sort of like a mini game, like Triforce Heroes kind of Zelda game. But I, I also think it's maybe too. Yeah, but that's not launching the that. console, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're talking about the stuff to launch the console, the big stuff, the big marquee stuff. Whether they do a couple of little things as well, I don't know, but. There won't be a new, there won't be the next Zelda game. There won't be the next Fire Emblem. And I'd imagine there'd be something in vain of something like Snipper Clips, like an indie game they pick up and publish themselves uh, and basically fund and get done. Yeah, like I said, they'll probably, they'll, they'll probably be some smaller, smaller stuff, but the marquee titles, have, the, when you, when you look at what, the the big selling point for the new console will be you kind of keep running into Mario 3D and that's kind of it. <laughs> um, Nintendo's tapped out otherwise. But Metroid makes sense, actually. That might be the other one. I'd imagine there'd be a game for whatever gimmick Nintendo's trying to sell. And I really hope that that gimmick is bringing back all the Street Pass stuff, all the Miiverse, like some kind of modernized version of that into the console. Like, I think it's a bit that they got rid of it all because it's like brand confusing between the Wii U and all that sort of stuff. And they wanted to start fresh. Uh, but I think it's time that they can start doing a little bit more with their online services. And Street Pass, a lot of people loved and also encouraged a lot of people to sort of get out there and play the console in public. So if there's something like that for the Switch where it's built-in sharing, you can, like, go out and, like, get messages and send things again. Yeah, I, 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 can't, be... I can't see that happening. I mean, I know it was a neat feature, but I just don't think it was utilized as much as Nintendo. I mean, the thing was that feature was a very Japanese feature because in Japan, population density being what it is, you would take your console out, and by the time you got to your office or you got back home, having gone through that public transport system, your street pass was just kind of full. That was not the case in a lot of other places in the world. Yeah, I, I definitely in a regional uh, town. I think uh, I think I probably only got one or two street passes, uh, mm. and but I didn't really take the console out. But I know not most people weren't really playing. I mean, I was, I was living in Sydney and I took the console with me and i would still be lucky if i had three or four going through sydney's public transport system because it just it just was not a, a feature that was culturally relevant outside of japan and i think nintendo realized that and i think that's probably I, I can't see them doing that again um i just want like a twitter competitor again me, <laughs> yeah they're not Miiverse. they're not going to do that i love i love meverse it was a it was a fun little thing but again it's just not i don't think that nintendo sees that as particularly core to it what it does anymore i mean those, those kinds of quirky features were all very iwata like that was him as the kind of the playful the playful ceo um yeah come coming up with ideas to kind of further play it, it was just a very personal thing i think for him and I don't think the new CEO and the rest of Nintendo corporate really is, is aligned with that vision now. So I don't see that stuff happening. Um, what what it might launch with is the GameCube thing for Virtual Console. It may well actually launch with that because that would be a neat feature for getting people to sign up for Nintendo Online. Um, 
Well, the Nintendo uh, Zelda remakes, they're, they're sort of like being a bit... Uh, there hasn't been uh, Wind Waker or Twilight Princess yet, has there? No, no. And stuck. everyone was sort of yeah. like, oh, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, where is it? And then Link's Awakening got ported, and then it's still like in the rumor mills, and then all of a sudden it's just dropped off the face of the planet. So, I mean, maybe there's something like that, you know, as a launch for GameCube games. Because they would have yeah, to have some big yeah. releases for releasing it for like like that. Like, I, well, I, I mean, really know what GameCube, the, on GameCube, the other one would be Super Mario Sunshine would make sense. But they they've ported that recently. <laughs> well, you can't you can't buy it though because they ported it to that N sixty uh, sorry the Mario collection which only had a limited time on market. They actually pulled that. Remember. But it was online for a bit longer, but yeah, okay. You can't you can't buy it anymore. But, but it's point. such a Nintendo thing to be like, he, here's this like exclusive thing we did last generation, so it's we're not going to do it this generation, like. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Harvard, you've been very quiet. Give us your predictions. What do you think will come through for the Switch Two? I, I've always been very skeptical every time the Switch Two rumors. Just because I think people have this, I would almost call it like, a, like an old school mentality where after a certain amount of years, they need to release a successor to a console. I think that's kind of based around an era of video games where technological leaps were really happening that were very relevant. Like you couldn't still have Nintendo, even for the Wii era, it was really weird for Nintendo to have a 480p console, whereas all the other ones were going HD. But I genuinely feel like the steps forward are different now. Like, it's not as if the new console is going to fill any void that needs to be filled. I think it's more an issue of just finding out what is a relevant step forward, if there even is one, because well, I think, the Switch was such I a relevant think, step forward. I think in terms of what you're talking about, in terms of filling voids, I think for us as consumers, then you're right. It doesn't really. But I think... <laughs> um Oh, what, for investors, yeah, yeah. Well. I mean, Nintendo, the the switch, the switch's sales are starting to slow, and um, Nintendo is going to need to keep those sales numbers up. So, the I think the motivating factor for a Switch Two is not so much the need to improve hardware power or whatever. Because to be honest, I actually think the Switch is still perfectly fine for. I do too. I would be happy for ten more years of this thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we'd need a switch Two for any of the games that you'd want to play on the switch anyway. And the games that um, you do want to play on the switch that get releases on other things, you know, Atelier games or whatever. Um, those are still perfectly fine on switch. The, the downgrade isn't felt on the console. So yeah. from that perspective, I don't think we need a switch Two. but I do think that the Nintendo investors are going to need to see a switch Two, and Nintendo needs to uh, boost its sales numbers up again so i think that's going to be the motivating factor and that's why i think it will happen like i said at the very start i think that's going to be either christmas next year or in time for the end of their financial year in 2025 because it will be their way of hitting you know, big numbers for the 2024 to 2025 financial year yeah my prediction is that it'll be like a a ds to 3ds or a wii to Wii U kind of situation where so basically like a Switch Pro but released as a Switch 2 for yeah like kind of like that yeah 
because like to keep up with the tech like you guys were saying to like so that newly released games that are optimized for pc and ps4 can still have ps5 can have a reasonable port onto the new system and maybe like one or two little extra nice to have features but not a huge new thing like i feel like nintendo is actually quite good when they're back into a wall like with the wii u era they're quite good at recovering with just a brand new idea that no one's ever heard of before but that's only really if they need to regain market share whereas right now they're, they're leading with the switch like i think they would just make a little expansion on what they currently have yeah yeah and like we were saying i think the the cost of chips and all those other things are going to be factors as well. Nintendo won't be able to afford to be as ambitious with this console. As yeah, definitely not. With previous, uh, some perhaps previous ones. So, but that, again, that's all fine. I mean, if the Switch is sufficient, then it doesn't really need a big upgrade to be for the Switch 2 to be sufficient. Um, it's just as long as it's a platform, I guess, for Nintendo to keep producing its games, that's the main thing. Yeah, the other issue too is with the same like with the Wii to the Wii U jump is no one's going to want a Switch 2 because everyone's still yes. happy with their Switch. Yes. So I, I genuinely don't know. I don't, I don't that's, know. What that's why I think, I think that that's why I think backwards compatibility is going to be important this time because what will happen is that Switches will start to fail because oh, I see what you yeah, orig now. original model Switches are six years old now. So that's true. My, my original model is, is on its last legs, I will say. Yeah, so what Nintendo will need to do is, well, I mean, people will, uh, the, the Switch 2 presents an opportunity to get people buying, you know, the the, the replacement. Um, but for that to work, it needs to have the backwards compatibility compatibility mm. because yeah. people are not going to be happy having to repurchase thousands of games. Yeah, definitely. And no no one wasn't happy with the lack of backwards compatibility with the, the Wii U. No one was like, oh no, my big Wii U collection, what am I gonna do? Well, yeah. <laughs> um that that was I don't think, yeah. The, the Wii U nobody, but what people I mean, backwards compatibility ends up being quite a big thing for for Sony, for example, with, with the PlayStation. Yeah. Um it was an it was a necessary thing <laughs> to make it PS4 backwards compatible. People would not have been happy if it wasn't. Um and I, I think it's just easier to do backwards compatibility now uh, as well because the hardware is becoming more standardized mm. in those days where you had sony doing weird things with the core with playstation 3 making it a completely different architecture and yeah uh, those those days are over uh, and switches... like digital account structure as well means it's way easier to track what you have and yeah. your saves even can carry over like i'm sure it's all easier that way yeah, so I, I would be very surprised if this is not backwards compatible. I'd be really genuinely surprised because that's the other thing they could do. To do. They could do the whole like we're going to keep the switch alive and keep making them, keep selling them, but there's also this new thing that you can buy. That would be the worst choice. But I think they could.
All right. So as people that do podcasts and write on games websites and all those other things, um, we do play a lot of games here at digitallydownloaded.net. We play lots and lots and uh, we try and keep up with, with all the major releases as hard as it is sometimes, but we miss games sometimes as well. There, there are definitely games that we have not played that people keep telling us we should play. We know that we should. They're on our backlog. We maybe even have a little list of games um, that we want to play at some stage and just haven't got around to it. Um, and that's what we're going to talk. Excuse me. That's what we're going to talk about here. The games that we know we need to play that we're pretty sure we're going to love once we actually do sit down to them, but we have never managed to do so. We'll start with you, Harvard. Um, I'm going to say something wild, which is going to be a surprise, basically, to, to everyone who knows me from this podcast. The only Final Fantasy games I've finished are 1 and 2 and Tactics. I've played, like, 10 hours of every other one, but it's gotten to that point where every single time I sit down to play it, it feels like work, because I, I think to myself, I'm playing this so I can have it finished. And even though I'm enjoying myself, like I just, I put it down, I move something else, I come back six months later, I completely forget what's happening. I have to start it again, you know? Well, that's the, that's your, that's your big flaw error mistake there, Harvard. Um, putting, just putting it down. Marathon. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I forget how the systems work. That's the problem. Cause they're all just a little bit different. So I will play Final. I, I'm like 20 hours in the Final Fantasy VIII, and I really enjoy that game. I enjoy nearly everything about that game. But I know for a fact when I go back to it, I'm going to be like, "What the hell is a junction? What the hell is a GF? What the hell is these card things?" Like, I don't remember the intricacies of how the game works, and then I'm just kind of start from the beginning. So, yeah, that series has defeated me, honestly. Yeah, well, that's what you just can't sit. You can't not. You can't take a break in uh, Final Fantasy games. You have to, you have to <laughs> lifestyle. You have to sit down and commit to actually playing it through. That's the thing. You yeah. just got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's don't make that mistake. Is is simple. <laughs> no games yeah. all need to be ten minutes long. <laughs> I agree. The only game that I've meaningfully played substantially in the last month has been, and you're gonna laugh. Um, Oh yeah, so you want those games, right? Well, here you go. Now let's see you beat them. I've talked to you guys about this game before, right? Uh... <laughs> okay. No. So on the Switch and on PC as well, it's a fifteen dollar game. It's literally called "Oh yeah, you want those games, right?" So here you go. Let's see you beat them. Um, it's. Literally, I think, oh, who makes it? It's like Bandai Namco, like some legitimate developer took the YouTube ad games where you're like, free the prince from the castle or like mix the potions together or get the car out of the car park where it's very obviously fake and very obviously someone failing the game to make you click on the link, right? Mm -hmm. And this legitimate developer has just made them into real games and I'm just playing those games because it's just serotonin and dopamine for, for five minutes at a time. Sounds a lot sadder than that. We should give you recommendations of which Final Fantasy you should play then too. That might help you. 
Uh, the other thing I was going to say for this is Xenogears and Parasite Eve, which I have neither of it have ever touched or started. But now that I have the Ambernic, I could reasonably start either of them. I mean, you should definitely play Xenogears. Is is maybe difficulter difficulter? I'm hmm. I'm running with it. It may be more difficult to get into today. I think I've heard um, it's longer and has more BS in it, whereas Parasite Eve is shorter and yeah, Parasite Eve. Parasite Eve is is much more playable. I think it holds up in the same way that earlier Silent Hill and Resident Evil games do. Um, it, and it, it's probably it, the the problem with Zena Gear is just that it's very archaic, very very archaic, and mix that in with its deeply aggressively nihilistic narrative <laughs> um it's just you have to be in a very specific mood to want to sit there for it and whether you can maintain that mood to actually play through the entire game is is very questionable whereas parasite eve is just a more straightforward i guess horror game um mm. and who isn't kind of able to maintain their interest in a horror game for yeah, the length yeah. of time to play it but yeah you've you got to be in a very grim the end of the world is a good thing actually kind of mood to sit there and play in a gear mm. um and most people kind of get in a better mood i would say <laughs> uh, at some point and then, and then put, uh, yeah, yeah and then put the game down and they don't come back to it so i think that's a difficult game it, that is a di more difficult game to get into it is good like it is a masterpiece it is very intelligent and in theory everybody should sit down and play it i just don't know if in 2023 many people are going to have the fortitude to yeah. to actually get through it um, but you should definitely, I, I recommend not trying Final Fantasy VIII as your Final Fantasy to get into the rest of the series. That one's a more difficult one. You should sit down to Final Fantasy X. That's the one you should. Play. I'm also about 15 hours into it. Yeah, you should You should just push through and, and actually finish that one. Mm. It gets better and better and better and better the more you roll through it. Oh, it's pretty good. I yeah, yeah, think... it's pretty good. It's pretty good to, you know, it, it's fun for the first five hours. It's pretty good for the ten, first 10 hours. It, it gets better and better and better and better. By the time you get to about 40 hours, it's, um, you're really kind of clicking with the strengths of it as a storytelling experience. So, yeah. And I sabotage myself as well because I always go like, oh, yeah, you could do it for 100%. The other so, one, the other one I... you might want to try and just see how you get along with it is Final Fantasy 12 because it's different. Yeah, I haven't started that one. I it's, own it at Steelbook for some reason, but I haven't started it. it. It's very different. It is a very, very different game. Uh, and so a lot of people that don't get along with the rest of the Final Fantasy series actually do like that one because it feels more MMO-ish, I guess, in the way that it plays. And it's just got a different approach to characters and stuff as well. So, yeah. What about you, Trent? Uh, what's a game that you know you're going to love and you just haven't had a chance to sit down and actually play it? I'm going to continue based off like this Final Fantasy conversation and just go with like the last Final Fantasy. Oh, I 16. Up... <laughs> yeah, 16. I, I did buy it, but it's been sitting in the shelf unplayed. So definitely on the list of needing to play it. 16 is just so mind-blowingly good. Um, I genuinely think now that I've had you know a bit of gap between when I actually played it um, 
but the more I'm sitting on my thoughts about Final Fantasy 16, the more I realize it's one of my favorite of the series. Like, if not right up there with my very favorite. Like, it just um, hit me hard, that game. It's so good <laughs> and so smart. And, um, yeah, I my, my thing is now whenever I'm working, I put the soundtrack on and I just constantly listen to the music as well because it is one of the most listenable pieces of or examples of kind of um, classical composition I think that we we have um it's just such a good game it's unfortunate that it got let down by the discourse around it I think um because I don't think enough people have explored what made it so good uh, in, in enough depth We're too busy talking about whether there were enough black people in it or whatever um it also I think games discussions have moved on past the point where a long narrative can actually hold attention. Well, it's not that it's not that long. I know, but compared yeah. to the 12, 15 hour The Last of Us, right? Yeah, people true. just don't want to talk about narratives that develop. People want to talk about one moment and then move on. Yeah, I guess I, I think you're probably right there, to be honest. I mean, The Last of Us is about an hour long worth of narrative. <laughs> yeah, um, and The Last of Us has like, has like three or four big moments that you write yeah, and that's about. It. And yeah, 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 yeah. But you can yeah. you can talk about that and you don't need the full context of the, the rest of the narrative to understand it. Yeah, true. And Final Fantasy 16 rather, is more like, um, you know, it's a 10-hour kind of narrative. Uh, mm. And it builds and you need to talk about it in the context of the whole thing. You can't just pick out one moment and say, wow, that kind of made me feel sad. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. a really good game, you know, really good story. So yeah, you're, you're definitely right on that. I think um, the way that social media has kind of ruined us by conditioning us to thinking 280 characters at a time has, um, has definitely affected how we talk about games and those kinds of lingering epics, which have uh, a lot of meaning over the course of a lot of, narrative uh, are difficult to engage with for, in the video game discourse these days and the other thing is you know it, it, they're not stream friendly narratives either like who's going to sit on the stream for 40 hours yeah, and watch somebody play yeah. an entire game to get the full context of the narrative there's not that many people but everybody can watch that stream where joel dies and yeah you know and just talk about that you know that's the whole thing that that's what they need to talk about joel's his name isn't it yeah so i think i think you're right but anyway uh, that, that's a bit of a digression trent get the buddy game out of the 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 disc put it in your console and just play it will you do it yes. do, do it, it. Don't. we don't i want to play mario <laughs> do it um for me this one uh the first one I'd mention is Undertale. I've never played Undertale. Neither. Yeah, interesting. Never played Undertale. And yet I just know I'd love it. Like because I know I'd love it because it was inspired by Moon and I love Moon. And it's one of those kind of in jokes about RPGs. And I've played enough RPGs, I get all the in jokes. And I love Mother and um or Earthbound or whatever you want to call it. And this game, Undertale, was inspired by those ones as well. And I just know I would love Undertale. And yet, I just haven't played it. I don't know why. I don't even know why because it's not a big yeah, time it's pretty short. Yeah, I just don't know why I haven't played it. I just haven't, and I don't get it. But I haven't. 
So... I think it's because it's it's quite an emotional experience to the point where you're not like scrolling through a library and going, hey, I can't just play this. You kind of want to set it aside because you know the reputation and you go, today's the day I play on the sale, but that day hasn't come. I think you're right. I think I think I know I will enjoy it that much that I'm delaying my own gratification <laughs> by not playing it. Um because maybe I do want to be in that to find that that space where I can just sit down and just consume the thing, you know, mm. and just keep playing it and keep playing it and keep playing it until I finish it. And I don't really do that anymore. I mostly kind of flick between games, play an hour here and play an hour there. And um, I just know that perhaps I'm not in the right mindset to play the Undertale the way I will want to. That might yeah, be it. Absolutely. It's a different vibe. There's, there's a lot of classic films that. I want to watch and I haven't watched just because when I sit down to watch a film, I'm not in the mood to do a bunch of analysis. I want something to just like vibe out to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, what about uh, another one? Perhaps not Final Fantasy one. Yeah, one more round. Okay. Yeah. Another uh, round. Let's do another round. What's something that I haven't played. Do you know what? I've never played the Metroid Prime games. Have you I, not at all? No. Uh, well, Interesting. I've, I've tried Hunters for Hunters about is great. We need 30 minutes. That's um, the multiplayer one that was on the DS, right? No, no. The hunt, it's just like a, or it had multiplayer, but it was also a single player adventure. Um, I am very bad at understanding 3D environments. So you, I played through the first five hours of Dark Souls. And never once realized I was coming back to places I've been to before. So I'm I, I know I'd be very bad at Metroid because I have no actually you're right stuff. because it, it's definitely it brings that kind of the same exploration uh, as the Super NES one or the two D ones. Yeah, and three D two three D two three D space. So yeah, it is very easy to get kind of lost. I think that's just a skill I don't have, and it's one of the reasons why I'm not very good at the old three D Zelda's as well is I can't have a dungeon or like a, lo a location in a mental map in my mind and know, hey, I've been here before and here is where I need to go to next and this is how I get there. I just I just can't really do it very well. So I've never been able to get into Metroid. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if that is an issue for you that you are correct. I mean, I did get lost playing Metroid and I have pretty good sense of space, I would think. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're hit the nail on the head there why you might not get along with metroid but at the other on the other hand if you can perhaps a way you could play it would be to actually just cheat and have a guide there with you i i've tried because, that it doesn't feel fun anymore it just starts I do, feeling I, like chores. i do think i do think there's a lot to the games that you would like i mean they're they're very good yeah, I think the atmosphere is what I enjoy. Like the very unique sci-fi settings also what I would enjoy as well. I don't yeah, know. It's I, like I can't a, really listen to it. An all ages alien. Yeah, yeah. Is is it's not really all ages or it is. I don't know. Unless horror aliens. Um it's appealing. I'm mm. not the biggest fan of Metroid as a whole, as I think everybody told me when I did the review of the last one. I should never touch Metroid games again, apparently. But um, I, I, I liked Metroid 1, <laughs> the Metroid Prime 1. I haven't played the other two, just the first one. Uh, and I liked it enough. I should play the other two. That's on my list as well. 
I was surprised they didn't do a trilogy remake. They only did the first one. Maybe that's another Switch Two game. Yeah, I, I would see. I, I would. I would hazard a guess that the other two are coming. It's just a matter of uh, which console they come It'd to. It'd be like Pikmin, where like all of them get re-released on the Switch Two, and it's like now you can play like all of Metroid Prime on whatever platform it is. Yeah, I mean Pikmin as a property is in a really good spot for Nintendo because there's not that many games and there's a little bit of a step with every one. So it does make sense to have them all in the same place. Whereas imagine trying to get all of Mario on the same console or all of Zelda on the same console would just be too big of a task. Yeah, it's a project that's for sure. Um, Trent, what about another game for you? What's a game that you know you're going to enjoy you just haven't sat down I'm to? I'm going to go with an indie game this time. I'm going to go with the uh, new Figment, so Figment 2. I played the original mm. one and really, really really liked it but i have just completely missed the new one because it came out earlier this year and yeah it's like it's like that it's like a puzzle game where you're like in the middle of like the idea is like basically you're in someone's mind and it's got like you know everything is just all like all over the place and you know the union dreamscape kind of thing yeah and it's basically you have to like sort of put together all the puzzle pieces and work out what's going on in your mind and make a more coherent, like solve, solve the issue, which is basically presenting itself as evil monsters and oh, yeah. that's basically solving the game. So that's cute. Yeah. So, so it's got a musical sort of theme to it as well. So it makes it a little bit more enjoyable and lighthearted and has some fun little characters. Um, yeah, so so there's a new one out. Uh, I mean, the original one came out like 2017, 2016. It's been a while since the original has been out. So, yeah, the new ones only just came out in March this year. So this is a swerve. But Trent, did you play the new Rhapsody game? No, I didn't. Because you you quite like the original Rhapsody, right? No. Oh, okay, I never played. I never played Rhapsody. I think oh. probably Alan probably liked it. Yes. No, I don't think no. so. No. no. Somebody likes really liked the original Rhapsody. Okay. Run, Maybe with another conversation, have yeah. another group of people. Because even I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Rhapsody. Really? Yeah. Oh. I got it. I mean, it's all right. It's just yeah. Well, it's, it's all right. <laughs> it's not my favorite RPG series. So. Um, I I have the new one. I haven't played it. That's that's um, that's not on my list because I don't know if I'll care enough about it when i do sit down to it um for me the another one that i i mentioned um alan wake oh i'm pretty, I'm pretty sure i'd like alan wake based on what you people say about alan wake. <laughs> based on what people tell me about alan wake i should definitely play it and yet i just i haven't i know i don't know part of the reason is that i'm not an xbox gamer and that was an xbox game for yeah this time but it's on pc now isn't it it is um I can just get it on Steam, right? Yeah, you can get it on Steam. Oh, I, I, I remember they removed it at one point. They put it back up. They're doing a sequel for some reason. Um, I don't know. I, it's it's a very good game. You would and quite enjoy it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that I would quite enjoy <laughs> um, Alan Wake. I mean, the reasons on my list is more because people keep telling me I like Alan Wake. And... Generally, when enough people tell me that I like a game, uh, I figure I probably will, and I'm not usually disappointed. I, I, I my tastes in games are pretty 
public so yeah <laughs> people get a good gauge for for what i like um so yeah i do i do need to give it a go yeah but it's not stage. like a silent hill it's not like a like a project zero like it's not a super serious horror game you know for some reason in my head and i don't know how right this is but in my head the impression i have is it's like a deadly premonition not quite it's like that information in is in that it does have a bit of a twin peaks influence it does have that similar kind of non-linear story of i don't really know what direction this is going but it's it is more, much more hollywood don't than... nod games style of stuff because they took influence of those sort of games uh like alan alan wake and things like that at the time so yeah think think more about how don't know did how they progress the story and stuff in things like Life is Strange. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of see that. Right. Because you know that Life is Strange is pretty much, uh, I mean, all of those games are on my list as well. <laughs> I've I only played finished Life is Strange. I've only played the first Life is Strange, which I loved and I absolutely loved. And I just know on that basis, I'll like all the other Life is Stranges, mm. but I haven't touched any of them yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard mixed things about the newer Life is Strangers. That game really did blow up, but in my mind now, Life is Strange is a little bit like the heavy rain of the 2010s, where we didn't <laughs> only, have without of... only, only without yeah, an asshole. Only without an asshole. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean like the, the reputation of it being like an amazing narrative game is there because there weren't a lot of narrative games. Like well, that's were... the thing. I think a lot of people would like Heavy Rain more if they didn't play the other games that David Cage did. <laughs> because Heavy Rain in isolation is actually very good. So if you don't play Fahrenheit, you don't play Detroit. Don't Human. play any of other David. Ca oh, actually, Fahrenheit you can probably play. It's also pretty well done. It's a little bit harder to get into because it's a bit older. But don't play. Don't play Detroit Become Human. Yeah, definitely don't play Detroit. And, and don't, and don't play David Cage on Twitter. And don't play um Beyond. Beyond Two, Beyond Two Souls. Souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't play those games. Just play Heavy Rain and just leave it in isolation. And you, it's 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 good. It's very good. It's got. Um, have you played it? You haven't played it? I haven't played it. Okay. Well, add that one to your list. It's um it's it's kind of sevenish. Uh yeah, I have heard I have heard that, yeah. Yeah, it's kind I've of sevenish. Like David Fincher kind of thriller Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got a very David Fincher quality to it. It's like David Cage was was inspired by the guy um and, and did his spin on it. It's it's also got some weird I mean it does have a, a, a it's got a, a couple of surreal elements in the way that one of the characters is able to like mind map stuff, which just kind of, it's, it's odd. It's a science fiction. It's, it's yeah, it's a science fiction element, I guess is the best way to put it. But aside from that, it has um, the, the bulk of it is, is very Fincher-esque um, mm. seven-ish. And I think that's why I liked it quite a lot um, because I'm a, massive fan of seven and i think that's how i connected with the game um but yeah if you don't have any knowledge of david cage beyond heavy rain you can enjoy heavy rain on its merits and i think uh, unfortunately a lot of people don't get to enjoy heavy rain on its merits because they know who for david finch yeah, so david cage cages and um fair enough because nobody should know who that guy is sorry trent i stole your yeah no it's it's all right <laughs> I mean, yeah, but but basically those those sort of games. Uh, what what I wanna 
play and yeah. I mean, there's a few Don't Dog games I've missed out as well. Like they they made a like Harmony, which came out earlier this year, and there's like a new one which is like uh, like a three D like uh, survival game which comes out in October, which looks pretty cool. So those that those are not yeah. Don't Nod games. Don't Nod's turned publisher for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, okay. I was gonna say Don't Nod confuses me so much with the development schedule. Yeah, yeah no, they've they they've do their own thing. Yeah, yeah, they now publish as well. I don't know why they've decided to go publisher, but they have. So, you, you yeah, Don't Nod doesn't. And Don't Nod game doesn't necessarily mean Don't Nod mm. developed it anymore, which just confuses things a bit. But because yeah. Deck Nine does all the Life is Strange stuff now, like I think there was a weird thing with Squarings and well, that's the thing. Don't Nod, Nod, well. Don't yeah. Nod doesn't actually own the rights to Life is Strange. Um, that's Squaring owns that, and I think they've shopped that around since. So yeah, unfortunately, you can't be sure that you're getting a Don't Nod game if you play a Life is Strange game now either. Yeah, I mean, Don't Nod had, in my mind, they almost went, went the direction of being like an Annapurna or like a A24, right, of the games industry, of making like the the weird, new, unusual, unconventional types of games. Yeah, I think that's, they, they do try and position themselves as a bit of an art house publisher and developer. I think that's fair to say. But, um, I don't know if you played Vampire. That's another one. That's a don't know developer. It's on the anyway. list. That's it, on the list. It it's, doesn't seem like something that I that, that, that's a must play. It's yes and no. the The narrative of the thing is actually very good, and the way that um, it implements its kind of main gimmick, I guess you can call it a gimmick, but it's actually really smart that you actually do have the they they really do make a moral decision. Yeah, it's like a, about it's who you, you can control the story kind of who thing. You, who yeah. you chow down on, because you do need to eat as a vampire. Um, and you are in this position where, as the head of a, a, a hospital, you've got access. Um, but as you consume people and, and stuff, areas become more dangerous and like there's consequence to the decisions you make and it affects the story. It's actually very complex, that side of things. What lets it down is the idiots decided to put combat in for some reason. And there's this RPG thing in it, which is just not good at all. So it lets it down. But if you can divorce yourself from that, it's playable enough you can get through it. It's just like getting your teeth pulled at points. But yeah. um, if you can get past that, the rest of the game would have been so much better received if it was mm. just that. But unfortunately, it's not. But yeah, I think that's why a lot of people don't see it as essential is because that combat thing really drags it down. But yeah. outside yeah. of that, it's a, it's definitely an essential game. Plus that yeah. other 3D game, remember me? It was sort of like... That was so hyped before. That was their out. first game. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. their very first game. Like, like it, it's they're, they're sort of like, they're not really 10 out of 10 games. And so, so they sort of just like fade into the background. Like they've got some unique ideas, but then it's like, they're, they really got famous because of Life is Strange. Yeah. And Vampire was like, oh, this isn't Life is Strange. So it's... And then everyone's like, oh, well, remember remember me? Remember me was, like, boring or whatever the other excuse was. Um, and then they... They, like, they said oh, it was non-interactive or whatever. Yeah. So then they didn't really... No one really played Vampire because they just thought it would be another Remember Me. And I actually liked Remember Me. That was kind of fun. Like, you'd, like walk around like you jump into people's 
lines and shuffle things around. And <laughs> funny yeah. enough, that's actually another game on my list. I've never played Remember Me, but from what I've seen, seen of it, I probably would enjoy it quite a bit. Really funny is that Remember Me and The Last of Us were in the same conversation back in the PS3 era as new IPs to watch out for. And we all know how history played out with that one. But there is an alternate reality where people got bored of The Last of Us and all games are like Remember Me. Yeah, they're, they're all similar to what they are. Um, yeah. And I know this one's cheating, but one other game I really wanted to mention here on this little segment is I've never played Dragon Quest Ten, and it pisses me off. Which one's Ten? The one they never released in English. Oh, yeah, that is cheating. The the MMO, but then they made a single player version of it, and then still refused to release it in English. Pierces me off because I love Dragon Quest. I played all of them, and I can't play ten. It's so like funny I'm how on something. Enix seems to have no faith in Dragon Quest in the West, even though everybody in the West is like, "Yeah, we want this." No, in fairness, they actually um. The Dragon, thing. Dragon, no, Dragon Quest is, I mean, we're in a kind of little separate group here because we, we'd like the JRPGs and things. Dragon Quest has been a horrible thing for Square Enix in the West. Like it's never sold well. Um, or it never did sell well. So even when, kind of even when, the... even when Nintendo took it on to, to do the DS one, uh, Dragon Quest nine, nine was the DS one, I think. Yeah. yeah um, Dragon Quest Eight had a huge push behind it on the PS2 as a big game and all this kind of thing. They've never sold well. The first time Dragon Quest sold well was the Dynasty Warriors one. Um, oh, Dragon Quest Heroes. Heroes. Yeah, that one completely surprised everybody because it actually sold very well in the West and nobody could work out why. Like Screen, because I've had conversations with Screenix about this. That series actually fails in the West big time. And that's why they never did Dragon Quest Ten because the infrastructure, oh, the infrastructure, the infrastructure to much. do yeah MMO in the West is is just not worth it. So, um, that's that's the problem. The series has just struggled in the West, which is weird because yeah, JRPG fans should like Dragon Quest. <laughs> like if you don't, if you like JRPGs and you don't like Dragon Quest, there's something very wrong with you. It's weird because it's so saturated. Like if you watch anime, the the one JRPG that everyone references is Dragon Quest. Yeah. Hell, like the new Yakuza series is just more Dragon Quest. Well, that's it. Like, um, yeah, yeah, like a dragon. Um, Quest. It's just, that that's where it comes from. And the thing is just full of Dragon Quest references. The whole time you play it, it's just, it's just so many love letters. To, it's a love letter to Dragon Quest. That's really what um, Like a Dragon is. And it was popular, <laughs> and um, the anime is popular, the movie's popular that they did. It, so much about Dragon Quest is, is, but it's just the games aren't. It's, yeah, it's like the it's, Dragon Quest parody is more popular than Dragon Quest. Yeah, it's it's such a weird thing because it is iconic, and um, Final Fantasy obviously doesn't have that problem. Final Fantasy does fine in the West, but it took Dragon seven Quest... games for it to, to get there. But yeah. Final Fantasy has always been popular when it's sold. Like the problem they had was they had very little faith that people liked complex games in the West. 
Um, I don't know if people know this story. So, you know, Mystic Quest, the Final yes, Fantasy yeah. Super NES one? The, that, the Western the, Final Fantasy. Yeah, they specifically, they specifically made that for Western people because they thought that Western people weren't smart We're enough to, to, to enjoy a proper turn-based Final Fantasy and stuff. And that's why we only got Final Fantasies 1, 4, and 6 originally in the West as well because those were the, the you know, 2, 3, and 5 were not seen as going to to have commercial potential and um so on and so forth so but but they they all did oh fine in the west it's just screenix had some kind of weird bigotry thing going on about the western <laughs> market um and then that back that backfired and then with the whole jrpg is dead movements yeah but and then final fantasy 7 came out and obviously that changed things and then people realized that western people were uh, capable of understanding things Sometimes. And then Final Fantasy VIII come out and they proved that they actually know they're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So interesting series. But Dragon is, yeah, Dragon Quest has really struggled in the West. I think they're back to struggling again. <laughs> Heroes was an odd one. It just kind of came out of nowhere and sold. Yeah. Well, but... Builders didn't do great, did it? No. I don't think and, so. Um, what was the other spin-off they tried? Well, that's the thing. Also, there's so many spin-offs now, like and it is hard to keep up with the series. Um, the Monsters games haven't done well. I don't know if this new one will change things around. I hope it will for them because yeah. it looks good. Um, Treasures was the most recent. Oh, yeah, Treasures. Not... I forgot that existed. Yeah, it was a very good game, but not many people bought and played it because, again, a spin-off. Mm -hmm.